Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of ANC's Matters of Fact. I'm your host, Christian Esguera. We're recording this podcast a few days before President Rodrigo Duterte delivers his uh, fifth and second to the last State of the Nation address. A lot of people are waiting for that, especially in the context of what's happening now. We are in the middle of a pandemic. For this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the upcoming State of the Nation address of the President, as well as the uh, push by some of his supporters to actually amend the Constitution in the middle of a pandemic. So for this podcast, we're joined by a very special guest. He's Professor Antonio Contreras, a professor of political science at De La Salle University. He also used to be the Dean of the De La Salle University College of Liberal Arts. Thank you very much, Professor Contreras, for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for having me, Christian. Now, before we uh, go to the topic, uh, personally, I'm curious about your, uh, how, do I, how do I put this uh, transition from uh, someone who has been, uh, who was a vocal supporter of President Rodrigo Duterte and now uh, I'm, I'm looking at your, I've been looking at your social media posts and somehow you have been very critical lately of the president. What, what happened there? Well, actually, kulang pa ngayon, Christian, eh, because before I became a supporter, I was a critic. I did not vote for President Duterte. In fact, I, I was even trolled and harassed by the diehard Duterte supporters during the elections. There was even a time when I threw on the garbage can, yung kanyang, ano nga ba yun, yung pinamimigay na campaign material. Baller IDs. Baller IDs. Yeah, yung mga gano, baller IDs because of my frustration and anger when he made a, a joke about that nun, that Australian nun. You know, so I said, this is too much. But when he won, you know, when he won, I, I said, you know, maybe because 16 million people deserves a hearing deserves a fair hearing, even if I don't like him. Maybe I should detach my own feelings from from my what I want to do to support the government. Because tapos na yung election, kailangan na nating magkaisa. So I said, maybe I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I was fortunate to not only just support him, but to become even a part of his circle. You know, I don't know what... It's very hard to trace. I'm trying... If I have to write my book... The book of my life, I would probably devote a whole chapter on that. I was able, how was I able to land, you know, in that privileged circle of bloggers of Duterte? Maybe mm-hmm. it's because I was a blogger and then I was affiliate, I, I became friends with some people that are identified with the Duterte group. So, kasama nila ako to a point that I was labeled as a diehard Duterte supporter. But how did actually you, how- miss no- how did you feel about it, Professor Contreras, when during that I, I time was, you were labeled as a DDS? Well, for me, sa akin kasi, being a political scientist who study culture, it's natural for people to label. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't let people label me. Let them label me. That's a job of bureaucrats. That's a job of your critics. That's a job of people who would like to malign you. But for me, I what is more important is what I am. And I said, I'm not even a diehard Duterte supporter. I have non-negotiables. In fact, when, I, when, when, I, when the PCOO, you know, recruited me to host this, uh, like a program, Busting Lies, it's run for like 13 episodes that have been aired on, online as well as on PTB4. Uh, mine, I, I told them, I'm not going to lie for you. You know, I'm, it's Busting Lies. It should be factual. I'm just going to say something with evidence. 
So mm-hmm. those are the things that are non-negotiables to me. Marami akong yung 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 advocacy ko sa sa sovereign uh, sovereignty natin, sa human mm-hmm. rights issues. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, issues about misogyny, those are the things that are non-negotiables to me. And yeah. maybe that's the reason why it was very easy for me to detach. Mm-hmm. Because then, I gave him the benefit I gave him the benefit of the doubt. And then abay, talaga parang walang talagang pag-asa. Misogynist pala talaga. Uh, talaga palang, you know, when I, 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 what really attracted me to him was when he said during his inaugural, I have no friends to protect. I have no enemies to harm. I said, you know, this is something that needs to be tested. And then he, he failed in that. Pero he harmed his enemies. But Professor he, Contreras, I remember we, we heard uh, something similar in 1998 with President Joseph Estrada. Uh, yeah. made a similar statement. Walang kumpa-kumpare, walang kay, kay, kay kaibigan. Yeah, I I know, but you know, it it but Estrada is different from from well, in a way they're the same old, but but I said, you know, and I didn't support Era at the time. Now, I I I I felt that that you know, let us give him a chance, you know. And besides what made me exciting excited about him is that he seems to be an iconoclast, you know. He mm-hmm. he he disrupts. And maybe this is something I thought at the time this is something that we need. Para bang isang malaking pang-shake. Okay? Mm. Okay? Something something to jolt us. Something to jolt us. Mm-hmm. Okay? But w- was it voluntary on your part, uh, Professor, to actually uh, be part of his uh, circle, as you mentioned? And by the way, what did you mean by circle? Circle of pluggers, not the inner circle yeah. of President Duterte. Yeah, because at that time, I was already... No, I wasn't. I wasn't even a member of the... Uh, the inner circle of Duterte. I was never given an appointment, uh, and and you know I didn't. Uh, the, the only time that probably I got paid is when I became a host of Busting Lies. Mm-hmm. It's because basically it's a professional. I am a professional, so you know I had to be paid for that. You know, siempre ko maghost kana isang program. So it's it's something that really you know. So, mga kaibigan ko sa'yo, naging kaibigan ko sa'yo. Ayaw ko kasing maggalan, you know? Mga naging kaibigan ko yung iba pang mga tao na mga identified sa dahil, mga Duterte supporters. So, mm-hmm. and so, so I was drawn into it, but I, I have always been conscious of my non-negotiables. I have a bottom line. Pag ito na breach mo na, then that's it. What was the final straw? I think the final straw is about China, you know, that's the final straw. The final straw is when, you know, uh, it's already about our sovereignty. So this is about the country already. This is not about just my peeve. This isn't about, I'm not saying that human rights is not an important issue. Because I can always criticize him for that. I, I have always criticized issues about human rights, even during the time I'm, I'm, I'm always making sure that you know the the drug war, we need to fight drugs, but we cannot fight it by violating the law, mm-hmm. you know. But but the point about China, the sovereignty issue, talagang sabi ko, wala hindi pala independent ng policy nito. At nakatulong din actually na amin ko, nakatulong din yung fact na there was a, I added that some of the diehard Duterte supporters also turned on against me you know mm-hmm. uh, for some reason I, and i'm not going to disclose 
publicly the reason but they, they a lot of them ganged up on me and so on so maybe sabi ko nag-confluence and i think this uh, this had something to do with the for example the the radio program that you used to co-host yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's right yeah with that's some right some of them right Yes, yes. That, that, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I don't have to mention the name as well as mention the radio, the TV, the station. But that 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 is really one of the triggers. When did you realize, or when did you tell yourself it's time to go? Actually, during the time that I was still in in his you know support uh, in his circle of supporters. Pag may mga binabagit siya mga uncomfortable ako, talagang medyo napapaisip na ako. Sabi ko, oops, foul yon. And even when I post on Facebook, I always make sure that, you know, you know, I don't like this. And there was even a time that I said, I'm an independent Duterte supporter. I'm not a diehard Duterte supporter because I want to be critical. I want to be critical. I want to criticize him if I reserve my right. And even the, in, in, in fact, in some of my posts, I said, when I decided to support him, I did not leave my principle behind. You know, it has mm-hmm. always to be with me. So, nagsimula na doon, nagsimula na. So, it was not like an overnight thing. So, Pero, dahan-dahan... Kailan, ano, kailan na-breach yung red line? Kasi parang ano yan, di ba? Parang sa South China Sea, the government allegedly uh, has uh, red lines when it comes to China. One of them, of course, was Carborosol. Uh, in your case, <laughs> <laughs> when did you somehow identify na uh, I need to cut uh, everything, all ties with this administration? Uh... Like like I said, na mukayatang nung time na yung MV yung ano ba yun gender? Ah uh, okay. Yung ra yeah when the sinking of the uh, uh, Filipino the fishing vessel. That, the Filipino vessel when he was even making excuses for China and he didn't even show compassion mm-hmm. to the fishermen. I think that's the trigger that I said that's it. During the time when you were still uh, part of his uh, circle of bloggers. Uh, I know for a fact that some of your fellow academics are actually criticizing you. And you know that oh, yeah. also. How, I, I, I know that. How, yeah. how did you, you know? deal with that? Uh, because I think one, one comment that they were uh, expressing was that they were criticizing you for supposedly trying to get the best of both worlds, right? Uh, that you're mm-hmm. trying to uh, present yourself as a critical uh, collaborator of sorts when in fact you are nothing but a DDS, according to them. Well, uh, I for if you really if people know me or I don't really care I don't give a damn, you know I have always been in the depart in the discipline of political science as a loner, I'm a lone wolf, I'm an iconoclast. I really I rarely write together with people. I'm not part of any team. Uh, people know me as someone who survived because my tradition in political science is also a marginalized tradition. It is a tradition that is not. I study culture. I study. I study, I study the politics of soap operas. I study the politics of of of, of uh, sex and 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 popular culture. So this is something that is not mainstream. I also am a postmodern. I, I use postmodern methodology. I, my area is political theory. So it's not sexy enough. So I've been on the margin. So I I I have always have to. Validate the legitimacy of my presence in the discipline. Mm, so I'm I'm used to being in the margins. I'm used to being talked about. I'm used to ruffling feathers. So I don't care, mm-hmm. you know, because they they don't validate me. You know, I I I my what will validate me will be my publications. What will validate me will be my how I am considered. You know, if you could just imagine, Christian, I started in the discipline. 
you know, trying to always argue that what I do is also political science because what 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 I do in political science could not should people dismiss as non-political. Pinag-aaralan ko popular kultura. So, but now you know when you look at the PPSA conferences, there are now whole panels talking about what I used to talk about alone. So that means I'm you know the discipline that I'm pushing is gaining respect so i don't really care if people talk behind me so that's how i dealt with it mm. you know who cares i don't give a damn you know mm. i don't you are not, you, i mean you're not going to validate my politics you know mm. and 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 so i know that people talk behind my back but I, I i don't want to be petty about it but i'm not the only one who is a political scientist who is now with the diehard Duterte supporters in fact i can even say that i have never worked for the i have never been paid except for that for that professional busting lies, mm. I never had any position in government. I never had been appointed as part of a Duterte legitimate official body. Mm. Looking, looking back, Professor uh, Contreras, did you regret having uh, supported the president or spending some time uh, as part of his circle? I can easily say I can regret. I regret, but you know that's uh, on second thoughts. I don't because it it was a grow. It was part of my professional growth. In fact, right now, I can only I can I, I can say that coming from a very qualitative approach of social science research, <laughs> you know, I have I have empirical experience. I have experience being inside the world of the Duterte supporters. And what Something did you realize? That, well, I uh, for me that I consider that as a, as a very rich experience, a source of data. You know, if you're my coming my upcoming publication that is going to be published in the Philippine Political Science Journal, precisely use that auto ethnography, my reflections on on how I when I was there. You know, so alam mo kami sa social science meron kami palalaw katulad ko na qualitative research ang ginagamit. Importante yung nadanas mo yung ano yung kaya nga pumunta kang field eh, nagti field work ka para maranasan mo. Ethnographers really live in a community so that they can have good data. That is precisely what I did. And that's exactly what I can say. These critics of Duterte, the ones who are saying that there is Duterte, uh, Dutertismo or something, they are criticizing him from the outside. So, but they don't have any experience of interacting with real Duterte supporters. They mm-hmm. don't know how they breathe and speak, their perspectives, their fear, their anger. But at least I have that. I have that as part of my, my, my worldview. So, you know, it's something that I can, I, can, I can now distill as part of the data. So at least to say that regret means it's something in my life that I just want to forget about. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a learning experience for me. It's a source of experience that now contribute to my scholarship, to the way I deal with the discipline. Mm-hmm. So I don't regret Okay. Now, let's go to the uh, upcoming State of the, uh, State of the Nation address of President Duterte. Uh, what do you think uh, defined the year that was going into his fifth uh, State of the Nation address? We know that there is a pandemic. Uh, and of course, the President is expected to talk about the pandemic during the State of the Nation address. But what do you think actually defi- defined the year that was besides the pandemic? I think it's utter failure, if there is one word, that it's uh, implosion, <laughs> a government that, that, that has lost its bearing and moral compass. You can, I can go on. 
But if there is one single word that you want me to say, it's going to be failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, lahat naman ng problema natin about the pandemic is rooted from the fact that they dilly-dallied, you know. Uh, it's lack of preparation. Of course, you can blame the previous administration for not giving enough time, for enough resource for health. Uh, karami naman sa problema din kasi ngayon structurally. Wala magagawa ang DOH kasi matagal nagapatong-patong yung incapacity and so on, you know. And that's not just the fault of Duterte. But you know, since he's the president now, mm. you know, the, the lack of foresight, the lack of he, the dismissive attitude about it because you don't want to hurt the feelings of China. You know, uh, inuna pa yung visa ni Bato. Inuna pa yung, yung, yung ABS-CBN. Diba? Problem. Mm-hmm. Si Maria Reza. You know, inuna ang mga problem. You know, it's it, the, 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 you certify as urgent and anti-terrorism law in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then you fail to certify as urgent. Baho too. Yeah. You know? The so, second Bayanihan it, to heal as one act. The second Bayanihan has to heal as one act. That is the one that is urgent. So what does you don't this say allow about that to expire? What, what does this say about the leadership, or perhaps the lack of it? Well, I I I I think I think he wasn't prepared for it. He was prepared to come with with a, a narrative where he's in control of what will be the devil or the demon that he's going to demonize. When he came in to become a president, he. He was started with branding the crisis that he wants to deal with, a crisis that he can show his machismo, mm-hmm. and that is drugs and criminality. He painted that as his crisis. And then he, he also, communism, when it was inconvenient for him, or convenient for him, remember, he started as an ally of the left. He yeah. placed left-wing politicians and in, in his cabinet, mm. right? Yeah, at least three and of them. When it was inconvenient for him, he dropped them. And it was then he turned to uh, turning communism, the left, as his convenient target. But, mm. but the pandemic is something that he, was, he wasn't prepared for. It. He but, wasn't but, prepared for this. This was not part of the playbook. This is not a part of the script. How, so was, how, how much of the pandemic uh, do you think exposed uh, the problem uh, in terms of leadership by the president? I'll just give you a concrete example. He loves to militarize. He has a very limited and narrow bench or shallow bench. And so he, he relies on retired military generals. Only on that, you know, because, because all the other narratives that he painted is so militarized. Prone, it's very easy to militarize drugs, war against drugs. Mm. Of course, the war against the left is already a military issue. Part so of it, part now, of it. Mm. Part of it. Now, in the case of the pandemic, you know, that's what he did. You know, he, he assigned generals to be on top of it. But, but somehow, yeah. Professor, we've known this for so long, eh? that, that, that somehow the president is some sort of a one-trick pony. Like, uh, when presented with so many problems, complicated as they are, it seems that the first button that the president would like to push is the military approach. Militaristic. Well... Uh, in a way that is not the true, because if you look at his record in, in, in Davao, although, you know, notwithstanding the allegations about those uh, death squads, you know, he was very progressive in some of his social policies in Davao. If you look at his gender agenda, if you yeah. look at his uh, dealing with the NGOs, that's why a lot of the progressive NGOs who are based in Davao is in a very difficult 
position because they they know that he's he can be progressive. He he allowed the new people's army, you know, lot of latitude when he was mayor of Davao. So, so I think, there was I think, a, mm. he, he came in using that, but unfortunately, there is an economist of scale for that particular kind of politics. Mm. You can do it probably in, in 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 the local arena in Davao, even if it's a huge place. But if you do it nationally, then you have to do a lot of tweaking, a lot of concessions. And unfortunately, he wasn't prepared for that. He wasn't and prepared. He tried, and his appointment of leftists, actually. For me, his appointment of leftist uh, uh, officials is really, for me, sincere. So this knowledge that he is not able is something that is just a realization later. Kasi yung una, may image siya na gano'n. May image siya na rubble round. Pero may image. Mahirap nga siyang ipintay. Kaya nga, kaya that is also the time when I think it's very hard to also paint him as a fascist. How about the populist? Because he's a populist, but he's not a fascist. Because fascist usually, may fascist party ka party na papasista na sumusuporta sa'yo. And you are very critical of the left from the very beginning. You're reacting to it. And you have this very nationalistic agenda. This this the... Uh, this lofty ideals that is sometimes jingoistic in orientation. So, wala naman siyang ganyan eh. So, so how, would you, how would you define President Duterte? Because I think w- w- one way of looking at him is uh, he's a traditional politician who uh, fashions himself as a nationalist whenever convenient or a uh, socialist whenever it was convenient. If you remember, if you remember when he was campaigning, there was a debate where he was asked, what are you going to do for your economic model? And said, well, I'm just going to copy all their models. Yeah, I remember you know, that. So, very flexible. In fact, I even consider him as the, po- the first postmodern candidate that he ever had. Wala siyang grand narrative. Ang grand narrative, wala siyang, wala siyang dignify, parang, para siyang fluid. Maganda sana yun kung na-manage siya ng mabuti. Ang problema ay, yung problema, nagkaroon ng, ng economies of scale nga sinasabi ko, yung ganong klase ng management system, mag-work lang kapag nasa local level. Pero pag nasa malalaking antas na, katulad you have to deal with foreign countries, like China, foreign affairs, foreign relations, then it may not be, it may no longer work. And yeah. the thing is, he has been working on formulas, on sound bites, and yeah, na-exposed lahat ito. Inga eh, parang, par- parang after four years, we're still seeing uh, a long-time mayor of one city in the Philippines running the country as if like a, we're it's a, local, a city. Like a, local gov- like a local government union. Oh, eh, you can see a lot of limitations. Eh. For example, nga, yeah. I think he was, uh, he was exposed early on uh, for the lack of... Uh, Siguro wisdom or experience or sophistication when it comes to dealing with foreign policy. And sometimes, ang hirap paniwalaan ng ibang mga supporters ha, by saying na, no, no, the president knows what he's doing. He's actually sophisticated when it comes to foreign policy. But if you observe it quite uh, objectively, you would see that this president doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And, and the thing is, uh, the reason why he attracted people is because of his authenticity. Mm. Okay? He's very authentic. Uh, uh, he's very down-to-earth. And he came at a time when people are so tired about traditional politicians. And when I say, because it's also trapo, but traditional politicians when the mold of smooth and cool and very diplomatic and, mm. you know, 
a good speak public speaker. He is everything that the masses didn't like about politics. Mm-hmm. Has been painted as traditional. And so people and for me personally, I must admit, you know, I said maybe it's a good time, it's a bad time to test something that someone who is different, someone who is going to shake a bit our comfort zone, you know, and disrupt, you know, disruption. Mm-hmm. You know, sinasabi ng ibang mga DDS is a disruptor. So, but, that's true, but you know, uh, for, whether for good or for bad, that's the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you know, but you know, that's the point. You know, uh, the thing is, if you're going to look at the uh, politic, the political culture of the Philippines, you're going to analyze it. We're very much into leaders, kasi, and I think that's the point that that I guess I uh, one of the learnings that I have here with my sojourn into the world of Duterte is that it validated what have been long time celebrated as a, as a, as a, as a iconic theory of Remihio Agpalo about our ang presidente or ang pangulo system where we look at leaders, we look at them as messiahs mm. uh, and we, we, we seem to be, to, be, to be enamored by that. Mm. And so how do we get away from it is now the challenge. So what happens now? For example, earlier in this uh, podcast, you described him as a failure, at least over the past year. And we can cite so many reasons for that uh, conclusion at this point. Uh, sometimes, the, the, are, are you tempted to say that somehow we got, we got fooled by this so-called iconoclast, by this so-called disruptor? But in fact, four years on, four years into his administration, it seems like... Mm, we didn't get uh, the, the the promises that uh, we that we were given during the campaign. Actually, the thing that we have to be very careful about, Christian, is you know, it's not actually as if people are helpless that we did not, or people did not realize that he's like that. Uh, I think there is. Uh, and I think that it's something that is like, I need to impress on people who are critics of the president. Because the diehard Duterte supporters want to be made into a bunch of fools, bunch of unthinking people. But if you look at the ranks of these people, you know, they, they have lawyers and they have doctors, they have professionals. Who are yeah. there. And, they, and, and the reason, and they have a lot of anger in their hearts. So this is a, this is a pent up feeling coming out into the open and they've been wanting to look for someone who can give an up yours moment to the system that have marginalized people and they gave that trust to the president and so some people are now realizing that that's they have made a wrong decision and they have distance they have been now critical in fact there is now a group in social media called the xdds there is now 10,000 strong in facebook people like me you know mm-hmm. uh, but also there are people who who still you know, are in him, you know, believe in him. Some would probably be because they just don't want to admit that they were wrong, but mm-hmm. others sincerely believe that they, they, they still have in him. Uh, they still believe in him, that, that there's, there's, a, there's still hope. In, but, in your case, you know, Professor ano, Contreras, do you, consider, uh, do, you, do you also admit that you were wrong? Yeah. In fact, I already apologized. <laughs> you know? Papa, no? how uh, did said, you apologize? Well, I apologized to social media. I said, you know, I, 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 for though, yeah, I have already, uh, in so many words, I said that, you know, you know, I, I, uh, I apologize for the times that I have supported you. Mm. Pero yun, yeah, um, it's, an, uh, it's, an, it's an admission that 
I I I committed a mistake. I admitted to it. Uh, and I think I'm not alone. There are other people who are like that too. You know, I, I think at... For example, Jason, there was this actor, Abalos, you know, I just heard, saw a post, mm. you know, said, you know, about him making a joke about, about, about the pandemic and this, uh, this guy have, have a friend, has a friend who died, a doctor, and, and so he blurted out, you know, sayang ang boto ko sa'yo, something. So it's, Ito pala, no? Professor Contreras, how do you think the, the, the handling of the president of the pandemic could affect his uh, popularity later on? Because at this point, I think he still uh, enjoys record high popularity compared to presidents well, uh, in we, the past. We don't Pero, know that because SWS and Policy Asia have not done any serious survey about him. Well, I wonder why, <laughs> you know. I wonder why, you know, they, kept on, they keep on about the trust on the pandemic, you know, doing about about China, but I don't understand why SWS and Pulse Asia, uh, SWS at least generates surveys, but Pulse Asia is so silent about now what's happening now. I'm waiting for that, for that survey about his popularity, his trust rating, and it hasn't come yet, you know. It, well, you see that coming from this <laughs> unheard of survey firms, you know, mm-hmm. but from these two SWS and Pulse Asia, it's so, always about issues tangential to him, which is how do you support the pandemic? Are you afraid about the pandemic? You are worried about it, about China, mm-hmm. even the US, but not the president. Oh, as an example, Dito, you, you mentioned that comment coming from this actor uh, regretting the vote that he cast uh, for the president in 2016. Uh, that was actually rooted, that comment was driven by the president's statement uh, a few days ago saying that you could actually. Uh, reuse your face masks and disinfect yeah. them uh, by with soaking gasoline. them into, in, in gasoline and gasoline. You know, diesel. diesel. I mean, predictably, sinabi na malakanya afterward, uh, of it's course, alam nyo naman ng presidente, apatataon na, joke lang yun. I mean, at this point, can we still afford to crack jokes and something that comes from the president yeah. himself? And dami nang namatay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And more than exactly. 72,000 72, have been infected exactly. in the Philippines. Exactly. Exactly. That's the point that you know, I think I wrote that about one of my you know, in my comments. You know, in 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 one of my columns, I I, I said that's always the narrative. You know, the, the editing of his speech. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was so bold that you know he was given a free pass by his supporters. He can say anything that he wants. He can curse and he can he can he can malign and he can threaten to kill and for the higher the threat the higher is the decibel the, the 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 graver the threat the higher is the decibel of the cheering you know lumaki ulo akala niya lahat na lang pwede niyang gawin mm-hmm. so usually kasi ang ginagawa natin na na na, na sistema after that ang ini-erase lang ng wala namang ini-edit ang mga speech writers niya mga kanya mga communication handlers they just explain it's just a joke it's a hyperbole mm. it's a figure of speech you know you know the entire the president is entitled to his right to a free for free speech etc mm. but now they edited they edited the speech for me that is an indication that the, even his communication handlers are already realizing that this is something that could damage the president you know, it's an indication. Ngayon lang nila na-realize. Oh, ini-edit na nila. Dati-dati, paliwanag lang. 
masyado nang halata kung i-edit nila yan at saka nailabas na sa balita. Uh, actually, speaking of edited, uh, edited speeches, let's say that uh, that uh, speech that the president delivered in Hulosulu in front mm. of soldiers, uh, the first version that was actually aired by the government uh, when the president said uh, th- that particular speech that uh, that was aired uh, only mentioned the president announcing that he uh, dismantled oligarchy. That was a few days after this congressional committee mm. um, uh, yeah. Yeah. dominated by his allies actually rejected the application for a new broadcast franchise by ABS-CBN. ABS-CBN, by the way, for those who are listening to us, is the largest media network in the Philippines, not just broadcast network. And it was shut down initially by the National Telecommunications Commission. And we know that the president had been threatening or had long been promising that he would uh, make sure that ABS-CBN would be taken off the air. And it actually happened last July 10. Now, that speech, he said, I dismantled the oligarchy in the Philippines. But his handlers decided to edit out that portion shortly before that uh, statement when the president said, that actually, um, he mentioned ABS-CBN. I mean, <laughs> what do you think of that? Imagine his uh, communication handlers. Uh, and it's not, Christian, it's not just a simple sentence that they edited out. It's a 10-minute period. Yeah, because oh. based from what I read, his original speech was about 45 minutes. And then uh, the, the edited one is only 35 minutes. That's 10 minutes. That's almost 25%, roughly a fourth of the entire speech that you edited out. Mm. So... It's it's something that 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 really it, it's a, and, and you know you are in media you know ten minutes in be in media ten minutes in broadcast is a huge it's eternity you could mm-hmm. could say a lot in ten minutes so that's something that needs ano yun and then of course uh, Panelo said that you know he's now blaming the 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 transcribers like as if people with you know transcribers are lowly paid people in the in the totem the echelon, you know, and you know that they mm. won't have the audacity to edit out and censor the president. Yeah. So, so the question is, why did they edit it? Because they know, they know that it's problematic. They know it's problematic to the narrative that they're painting, and yeah. they know that 20, 22 elections is just twenty two months away. Mm. Yeah, they know precisely. That this will have this will have some effect on on the elections. L- like how? Well, you know, Duterte wants to make sure that he has a friendly successor. Whether it's going to be her, his daughter or, uh, you know, an Bongo? ally. We're hearing the Bongo name of Bongo. Or anyone. Or, you know. But, you know, if, 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 you know, and then you have this issue about ABS-CBN. And you saw the survey, mm. three-fourths, yeah. almost 75% of Filipinos, one of three out of four, are four franchise. Yeah. And then uh, the artistas are coming out in full force. Mm-mm. This is a new ball game already. You know, this is something that that that, that is that is uh, because in the past it's about drugs and I'm not a drug addict. Right? So why do I care? Criminals. I'm not a criminal. So you kill the criminals. I'm not a criminal. You know, for all I care. But now this is ABS-CBN. This is my ang provincial. This is my show. This is my entertainment. This is what makes me happy, you know, when I'm I'm sad. So it is something that had already effects on real people's lives. Mm. It is not just entertainment, it is a culture. And well, it has so it's something that may not necessarily be measurable right now, but if properly harnessed, may turn into a factor that can spell victory or defeat in 2022. 
especially also I, I think going back to that edited speech uh, that would have that clearly went against the narrative of his uh, spokesman uh, of the mouthpiece of Malacanang. Uh, I remember, for example, uh, Malacanang spokesman Harry Roque claiming uh, quite consistently that the president was neutral to the issue of ABS-CBN's application for a new franchise. And you have the chief presidential mm. legal counsel, Salvador Panelo, claiming or clearly lying that the president uh, had nothing to do uh, with, with that particular decision by the Congressional Committee. Yeah. Ito yung gusto ko sanang, uh, actually in, in our program on television, ulit-ulit yung sinasabi to eh, why that particular assertion uh, is nothing but a lie. Because if you talk about the political structure of the Philippines, the very strong presidential form of government that we have, anyone who sits in Malacanang gets to control Congress, in particular the House of Representatives, given their parochial interests, their petty politics, yeah, yeah. for example. Yeah. Yun. Mm. And, and 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 of course only only people who are clueless will believe them about that you know or people who really are blinded in supporting them will believe that the president in fact even the supporters you know even supporters don't believe that because they they are all anti ABS-CBN you know they all praise the president and they all praise uh, they're all sabi ko nga sa isang kakilala ko if you really think that the president is is this is a non-political issue and this is not, this has nothing to do about your about the president and why is it that because you support the president you now hate abscbn you know <laughs> if if the issue is it's, it doesn't add up right <clears throat> it doesn't add up because they are the they are the very first exhibit that belies the claim that it is all a detached president acting you know there's mm-hmm. nothing in the agenda when in fact from the very beginning he promised and he vowed and he threatened to really, you know, close down ABS-CBN. So, and the president that, said it after. Yeah. Inamin niya. So, and, and, and so the issue now is, will, will his teflon be able to stand? What do you think? Uh, uh, that's why I'm looking towards the forward, uh, forward to the result of a survey by SWS and Pulse Asia. Let's find out. Kasi pag talaga namang 90, pag, pag 90% pa naman ng support para naman niya, siguro ewan ko lang. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the surveys are wrong. Maybe if they're right, maybe we're just a messed up society. It's about time that we just have to accept the fact that we are, you know, we are really, we deserve the kind of government that we get. Hindi ba dati na? Yeah, but at least I have some, because people, people, like for example, people don't trust China. Mm. And the president trusts China. And mm. the president, people, you know, sabi ko, this is precisely a good example of that of that fallacy about if A is greater than B, B greater than C, then A is greater than C. Yeah. Because in a case, you know, he, 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 people trust the president, but they don't trust China. You know, mm. but the yeah. president trusts China. So it's something that, that why is it that in, if you're a rational thinker, the president loves China. We don't like China. So maybe as irrational voters, we should not be liking the president as well. Oh, so, but of course, it's not as, as easy as that. It's not as easy as that. So maybe we should, we should look forward to... I, I, I look forward to that, to that survey. That's so, why basically, why is it, so basically, when you talk about surveys, uh, uh, are you saying that it's important to also actually look into how uh, the shutdown of ABS-CBN could affect the, the popularity of the president as well as his handling of the pandemic uh, 
crisis of the health crisis? I think it's it's the framing of the question. Oh. I think it should be. If I were the the strategic surveyor, I will not. I will I will do it in this way. Uh, will the vote of your congressman affect on ABS event affect the your vote for him in 2022? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're going to ask that question, then it will, by implication, give us very rich data. I think it's a challenge for SWS and Pulse Asia to be more uh, creative in phrasing the questioning. Uh, because like in the U.S., for example, sa, eto nga yung sinasabi ko, you know, in the U.S., if they li- don't like the congressman or the senator, they mobilize to, 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 to campaign against a person. Mm-hmm. By go by funding by by uh, contributing to the funding of the of, of the from the primary challenger to the opponent in the in the next election. Look at Trump. Even Republicans who don't like him are now raising funds to campaign for Biden. You know, mm-hmm. so so it's it's and and, and in, in 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 Maine, for example, Susan Collins, who, who is very much allied with Trump, you know, the the those who are angry at Trump and angry at Susan Collins are now funding. Uh, and, and campaigning for her opponent. Sabi mm-hmm. ko, for example, in the Philippines, you know, you, have, you, you cannot, if, if you can at least take down a few of these congressmen for the votes that they have made from, from the anti-terrorism law to the abs event franchise. You know, if you can make them accountable, then that's something that could be an improvement. But you know, the problem is we don't have that kind of maturity. Oh, I mean, on paper, we have a representative democracy, but we know that that is uh, dysfunctional. Yeah, that is a problem. That is a point why, you know, it's very difficult to, to, to demolish an oligarchy in the Philippines, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's so deeply structured. You know, when the president said that he has disbanded, dismantled the oligarchy because of the ABS-CBN vote, uh, then that's something that is already questionable. He doesn't understand the meaning of oligarchy. I don't think he really understands the meaning of it, the way we teach it. Mm. But at the same time, at the other end of the, uh, the other side of the argument is we have this argument also from politicians as well, from academics that would say that the best uh, way to, to dismantle oligarchs, oligarchy is to ban uh, dynasties. Uh, of course, for me, I don't agree with that. It's it's something that 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 for me would not easily oligarchy cannot be just be disbanded even if you outlaw dynasties. But won't it, it help if you outlaw it dynasties? It will. It will help. It will help the oligarchs to find another mechanism to control politics. Okay. Not to families, because if you're going because unless there is an autonomy of the economic elites from the political elites then what will happen is that the economic elites will always influence politics. It's almost like water seeking at natural level. Okay, so, yeah. so let's, back, let's clarify first in definitions, uh, Professor Contreras. When you talk about oligarchy, uh, what exactly do we mean? Because sometimes people might have a different conception of what oligarchs well, are. Well, uh, the oligarchy kasi is the rule of the few. When do, they, do they have to be family members? Doesn't have to be. Okay. They have to be the power elite. The power elite, uh, they're, they're, it's concentrated to a few individuals. And it just happened in the case of the Philippines, we're a family oriented society. Uh, so it's not just the rich, 
who are a member of the oligarchy. We have the intellectual class, we have the military, we have the religious elites. So that's part of the oligarchy. Now, the reason why the dynasties, for me, it's very easy. Actually, I, can, I don't blame people if they say that you have to dismantle dynasties to dismantle oligarchy. Because there is this assumption that oligarchy and dynasty are the same. You know, the one enables the other. But for me, uh, a lot of the people that surrounds, for example, the president right now are not his relatives. Okay. But they are also granted oligarchs. That, yeah. Granted that we are going to be able to stop uh, the practice where presidents become presidents and then their children also run for office and win. For example, assuming that in the future we are able, we succeed in banning this kind of practice that we have uh, the president, and then we have the, then you can no longer have a mayor or house of representatives or a uh, vice mayor, you know? If, even if that doesn't happen, it doesn't stop uh, a rich tycoon from exerting influence on the president. Mm. It doesn't stop his fraternity brothers, his kababayan, his alalays, mm. which is not within the bounds of a dynasty. His former classmates. Former classmates. So there is a clique. Mm. And there will still be oligarchy because this few will, 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 will still control power. So, so how exactly did dismantle oligarchy? And even, even if the, the, mem the family will, is not part of the political class, isa lang naman sa kanilang politiko, it doesn't stop them from influencing politics. Mm. So oligarchy will still be there. Mm. You know? So, so how do you dismantle it? Like I said, the best way to dismantle it is for people to really you know, regain their sovereignty by actively becoming critics of the system. Make sure that you don't let these people win in elections. Make sure that you voice your opinions. Make sure that you hold them accountable. Are, and the social media is already now very, very porous, very accessible to ordinary people. You expose their corruption. Dissent is a very important element. You know, if you're going to look at the radical theory of democracy, the core of politics is the people. The core of democracy is the people. And if the people regain their sovereignty, actively practice well-informed, rational, active, you know, brand of political engagement, then the oligarchy and dynasties will become meaningless. Or irrelevant. Or irrelevant. They but, are just but, going to become, they become, they become, they become this fun, uh, they, because they longer serve a function, then mawawala. But, but do you Kaya, think this would be enough? Yung proper uh, education of the public, proper engagement, expression of dissent? Yeah. Because for example, uh, pardon me for sounding quite cynical here. For example, you might vote uh, one congressman out of office because of his uh, record during the previous Congress and replace him with someone who's idealistic. But eventually, if you don't have uh, enough of these uh, kinds of congressmen uh, in one particular Congress, for example, they would just easily get uh, eaten up by the system. That's why, don't you think we have to also consider drastically changing the system alongside uh, well, a more well, informed part electorate? Part of the part of the solution, therefore, is to not be cynical. Part of the solution is stop becoming cynical and do something. Mm. Uh, 
do something by by voicing out your opinions. You know this rage at ABS-CBN. It's the ABS-CBN's fate. Three fourths, three out every four Filipino wants to have a franchise. Eh, kaya lang saan nag-e-end. Nag-e-end lang siya sa, sa rant. Nag-e-end lang siya sa rally. But there is no concrete. You know, that's why I support this uh, popular initiative move to really have a, 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 the franchise grant through a popular initiative because it will people's really initiative. Mm. People's initiative because it's going to put to test the direct Democrat, direct democracy that is provided in the constitution that has been already legislated into law. Mm. Uh, you know, and in fact, yung pinupropose niya ang anti-dynasty bill will not even stop Sara Duterte being mayor and uh, <laughs> a Duterte as president. Yeah. Kasi ang pagbabawal mo lang doon, dalawang national, hindi dalawang, pwede. Uh, dalawang but, local. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Hindi, Kasi hindi, I, I think what, let's, let's what, what is what What is the good of it all when you can still wait out? You know? O sige, presidente ka, ako nga naman, mayor. Oo. How, mayor ka lang, tapos presidente tatay mo, malaking hawak na sa politika yan. Oo. If you talk about oh, largesse. Tapos, or... tapos, 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 you know, you don't even ban uh, classmates. You don't, cannot ban because they're not part of the dynasty. You mm-hmm. cannot ban. Bongo is not even a relative of the president. You know? Uh, De La Rosa is not even a relative of the president. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to limit it to bloodlines, then it's not going to be enough. Like I said, the, the elite, the economic elites will find a way to influence politics. Okay. F- finally, Professor uh, Contreras, let's talk about this latest push uh, by some of, uh, su- of the supporters of President Duterte to uh, introduce surgical amendments to the Constitution. It started, of course, as a push for a federal shift, a shift to a federal system of government that we know what happened in between. Uh, so now they are settling with so-called surgical amendments. But what do you think of this push in the middle of a pandemic? It's so, well, personally, I think an amendment of the Constitution is required, needed. Uh, I agree with it, you know, uh, and in fact, you know, many of my colleagues in the political science discipline uh, agree that we need to change the constitution. But the timing is the one that is a problem. Do we need it now? The, 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 what we need right now is solution to what we face, which is economic decline because of the pandemic. We are facing a crisis that is unheard of. People are losing jobs. You know, uh, people are dying. So what good will the chacha do? Except to benefit the politicians. Because, they, of course, I am sure term, the limit, you know, look at the narrative of Alan Peter Cayetano. The reason why there is a dynasty is because of term limits, you know. So, of course, lift the term limits. So if you're going to lift the term limits, then Duterte can run again next term. The only time I'm going to agree with term, the lifting term limits if we're going to have a condition that all the incumbent congressmen, senators, and public officials will not be allowed to run in the next elections. But if they have delicadesa, they are supposed to put that in uh, any proposed constitution. Which, of course, they can't. They can. So, so how do we vote these rascals out? How do we get rid of them? I think the best way is really to... to for me, is political literacy. I think that is important. 
it may be a long process, but the culture is the one that needs fixing. Mm -hmm. It's political culture. Because even if you're going to have an anti-dynasty law, uh, the, if the people are still quiet about their politics, they don't participate in the political process. They are cynical, they're apathetic, they only participate when it is to their interest. Then even if families are no longer allowed to rule of politics, cliques and cliques and fraternities and barkadahans and patches and law schools and batches in the, in the Philippine military academy will control it. And I think it's also important to point out the, the changing configuration of our electorate, especially for 2022. We, are, we now have more young voters, supposedly more you know that woke and more familiar with the issues, especially in social media. How do have you, you think seen, that? Mm. Christian, have you seen the faces of those who voted against AB7, the 70? Yeah. If you look at their faces, a lot of them are young looking. They're millennials. So, so I mean, I mean, for me, the, I mean the voters. <laughs> <laughs> so, without, it's your turn to sound cynical. Hindi nga, parang sabi ko, parang hindi yata yung sa generation. Kasi, tingnan mo na, pagtapot, titingin mo doon sa kabila, karamihan naman sa mga nag-yes sa inyo, mga medyo mature na botan. Yun actually yung sinasabi ko kayo na Professor Contreras. Si Bilma Santos is not young. You know, sinasabi ko sa inyo kayo na Professor, yung even if you elect someone who's idealistic supposedly, uh, siguro very promising kakainin ng sistema kasi if you look at the configuration or, or look at the faces or profiles of the 70 congressmen who voted against ABS-CBN mabibilang mo lang dyan talaga yung bumoto dahil yung mata... galit sa ABS eh yung iba dyan bumoto because of personal convenience eh or threat for 2022 pwedeng pat palabanan sila ng administration uh, for example kaya nga dapat ganito ang sakin challenge naman sa inyo sa ABS-CBN if I may uh, a free advice then you know that you had the constituency. It's three-fourths. Mobilize it. You know? Between now until 2022. In fact, I even posted in my Facebook that, you know, Angel Luxin, for example, is popular. Why don't you let her run against one of those rascals? You know? Coco Martin. You know? These are people. Artistas sila, pero pwede naman, di ba? They can stand. They have an image. They have a voice. You can, you can, you know, they wouldn't win? I don't think so, you know. May utak, may utak. Yeah, I think it's about... May substance. It's about... Because I think that what happened to ABS-CBN is different, you know. It is an issue that affected ordinary people, people's lives. Maybe that's also the reason why nag-resonate yung issue ng crime and drugs because it threatens family safety. This one, it threatens their well-being and entertainment. They threaten their, their happiness. And what is more important in people's lives than leisure and happiness? Pagod ka na nga sa trabaho. Hirap ka na. Mababa sweldo mo. Ang pinagkukunan mo na lamang ng entertainment ay si Vice Ganda. Inalis pa sa'yo. Mm. Diba? So, I, I think, yun, yun, yun ang ano, yun ang, yung mga taong ang kanila lang naabot, nakakaabot lang sa signal ang ABS-CBN. Mm. Diba? You deny them, you know, my mother, really, if she was alive, she would have been so sad. Kasi yun na lang ang kanyang habang, habang nakaupo siya sa kanyang rocking chair, yun ang kanyang buhay. Uh -huh. At ABS-CBN. Kapamilya talaga sa true and true. So, she would have been depressed. 
<laughs> Kaya nga sabi ko, kung sa mga kaibatid ko, buti nilang wala na si nanay. Kasi kung nambuhay pa yun, you could just imagine, you know? Baka nag-rally na rin. Baka <laughs> <laughs> nag-rally na rin. Kaya that's something that I think is a challenge. We have been always looking at solutions that are legalistic, in the forms of law, structural. But one thing that we don't appreciate is that culture is also a structure. And we can change it by slowly, incrementally. All we need is a trigger. Maybe this people's initiative can be a trigger. You know, alalahanin mo, 3% lang naman ang kailangan mo sa isang presinto. Per congressional district. Per congressional district. Pero pwede mong kawin per precinct. Kasi kapag naka 3% ka per precinct, aabot na yan ang 3% sa ano, di ba? Sa district. Kung 300 ang ang voter mo, siyam na botante lang. Huwag mo sabihin walang kapamilya doon sa 300 na yun. Mm. And then basically diba? 10% of the uh, registered voters. Exactly. Don't tell me na wala kang mahanap na siyam na kapamilya sa isang presinto na 300 ang botante. <laughs> well, definitely. Uh, <laughs> meron at meron yan. Anyway, thank you very much Professor uh, Contreras for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you for uh, having me. Uh, that was a very interesting discussion. I think this is one of the longest podcasts we've had on this program. <laughs> thank you very much thank for joining us. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of Matters of Fact. I'm your host, uh, Christian Esguera. Now, if you like this show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share this uh, episode on social media because it helps uh, new listeners to find us.